Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 479 for May 1st, 2019. On today's show, guitarist and vocalist Camila Meza. Please support the show by becoming a member for just $5 a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. I'm running a membership campaign with the goal of making the show weekly by January 1st, 2020. To do that, I need 200 members. We're currently at 33. And you can become 34 by visiting thejazzsession.com slash join. This is Camila Meza's third time on The Jazz Session. If you want to hear about her early years, check out our 2011 interview, which you can find in the archives at thejazzsession.com. Camila has a new record called Ambar. From it, here's the song All Your Colors. I'll be careful with the colors that I choose to paint the roads inside my mind. Cause I've been longing for this moment to behold There's just few colors made of one Then I go out and take a walk And you surprised me with the song you left To make the patterns my soul lets unwind Cause every line leads to another When we're drawing life in front of someone else Then you come out to meet me I just fall in love with how you know this might I'm so excited to welcome back vocalist, guitarist, composer Camila Meza. She's got a new album that's coming out at the end of this month. It's called Umbar. It's her fifth overall, but her first on the Sony Masterworks label. Uh, and it's been, we just figured out, six years since she was here the last time. Camila, it's great to have you back. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for the invitation, Jason. It's crazy that it's been so long. I, I really can't <laughs> even imagine it. I think so, so much has happened for both of us that we could never catch up. So we'll just talk about the new record because otherwise I think this podcast will be 10 hours long. So, <laughs> um, so I guess let me start by asking you uh, one of the exciting things about this is that it's on a big label, Sony Masterworks, which is a, you know, a famous and established label. And I, I just wanted to ask you about that, how that partnership came about. My last record uh, came out on Sunnyside uh, Records, and the producer for that record is uh, Matt Pearson. And uh, Matt has, you know, been been like a real great supporter of my music. And between uh, that record and, you know, up until two years ago, he started working... Um, with Sony Masterworks, actually, as a A&R. So uh, I got him to help me with the edition of this album, and he he said, wow, this album is really it's really something. I think I should present it to, to the people at Sony to see what 
could happen, you know? And I was like, oh, that would be incredible, actually. And everything is, uh, it went great. I mean, I met the team there and, and they, they're really amazing, uh, you know, people that are very much in, in my same, uh, you know, um, sort of, and synchronicity when it comes to putting music out, you know, this is a branch of, of Sony, of the big Sony. This is a branch that is very, um, very broad in terms of genres, you know, and, and also they're very respectful with my, you know, my own artistic vision, you know, not, not, there's nothing like, oh, you're in a big label and now like there's, uh, you're giving up like all your, you know, like your, your own, uh, perspectives about yourself, nothing. There's like, they're, they're really like just supporting me in a really amazing way. So they didn't give you, uh, you know, the list of the nine Beatles and one Adele song you had to cover <laughs> on your, your new album. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Plus this record was actually fully produced by the time we got there, you know, um, I self produced this album. We went to the studio actually now. Oof, it's a couple of years ago. We went to the studio June 2017. So it's actually, it's crazy. Like how much time has happened, has been since we recorded, but, uh, it was worth it the way, you know, and the one thing that, um, that really, um, kind of makes me feel happy is that like the, these two years haven't necessarily aged the music, you know, that how sometimes you record something and it's two years later, you're like, oh, I totally don't feel related to this, you know? And, but it's not the case. I feel like this music very much represents me today as well. And I still love the, the album. So I'm really excited to put this music out now. And I think that what you just described is probably helped somewhat by the kind of timeless sound of this record. Like there are, there are things about it that are very modern, but I think for example the uh the ensemble that you play with i think could it, it feels like it stretches across time like it combines it combines mm. things from so many different periods of musical history um mm. can you can you talk a little bit about the the nectar orchestra and i guess also we should talk about uh your partnership with noam weisenberg who i, th- I think is a major part of the the sound of this record so in terms of the sound of of the of the band, um, I had for for a long time. I, I I've had this really um, this big wish to to make music with strings. You know, I don't know if it comes from uh, maybe the amount of classical music that my dad was listening to when I was a kid. Uh, maybe my love for like singer songwriters that actually, you know, uh, orchestrate their songs with, with strings. Like there's all of that involved. Also, um, I had the chance, uh, to be part of, uh, um, Fabian Allison's band, uh, Rhizome that also has strings, a string quartet. Um, and the experience is just amazing. And, uh, Sort of all of that coincided with um, starting playing with uh, Noam Weisenberg, uh, Israeli bass player, and also an arranger. So we started, I guess, it, in in this conversations we've had we had in the past. We 
we were talking about collaborating, just like creating um, a song to see what would happen. And and we uh, we arranged uh, Waltz Number no. One by Elliot Smith, and that was like the beginning of uh, this whole journey because it it just like it felt so good, and it was such a uh, the next sound that I really wanted to to experiment and experience. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, when you talk about string quartet, you it's there's something about the I don't know the resonation, the the feeling, the the lyricism that like it it's timeless, you know, it's timeless. Also, there's songs of mine that are like not necessarily uh, recent ones. There's also some that were sort of waiting for their moment to 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 be orchestrated in the right way, and they found their place here. And also, there's some new material. So, even when you talk about timeless, or when you talk about not necessarily from a time period, it also has to do with like. That it's it's actually a long project, you know, in my in my in my development, you know. What does it feel like to play and sing with strings around you, behind you? There's this feeling of like the whole sound of the strings sort of like becoming uh, like a bed of of um, warmth or something around the voice and. And every passage, like, sort of, um, have, has, like, even more, um, direction when it comes to, to, like, dynamics and, and drama, you know, and the, the development of the story. It just, it enhances the whole, the whole song, you know? It's kind of cool because other than Keita Ogawa, who uh, plays drums on this record, really everything that happens here happens because of some kind of string. I mean, that's how vocal cords work. That's the guitar is a stringed instrument. Uh, there are 
violins and viola and cello, the piano, although it's also percussive, the percussion bit is strings. It just Mm. seems like this music, it really feels like it's all about vibration, like this kind of vibration and harmony. And harmony, not just in the musical sense, but also in the sense of kind of a shared vision or a shared approach to music making. Like this very, this feels very much like everyone was in kind of the same mental and spiritual place while making the music it's just it's just very full and beautiful yeah i i i'm happy that that sort of transmits through the music because i feel it's definitely the place where we were coming from you know um and it took it took i don't know maybe five years in the making because um, I was working on my previous album when this project was already in its inception. So I even at a point I had to sort of like put a hold on this, on the creation of repertoire for this project because I needed to take care of, of traces of my last album. But then, um, then basically we, we, after I was done with that, I was able to, to, to really put a lot of, of effort and and we all did you know like we we would rehearse a lot of details and and sort of polish the songs in a in a very um i say like acute way sure um yeah and there's still you know there's still room for improvisation there's still room for like the songs to be interpreted in different ways uh, but obviously, since you have like so many voices in communion at the same time, like there's there's a lot of emphasis put into the arrangement too. You know, if uh, if I'm right, which is uh, we'll we'll find out. I think there's about a fifty fifty chance, but I think there are uh, at least four languages either used or referenced on this album: uh, English, Spanish. I think there's Portuguese, and then there's an indigenous language, uh, indigenous to Chile, that's at least in the title. Of one of these tunes, yeah. um, Mapudungun. Yeah. Was it any kind of consideration for you whether this album would be in multiple languages, whether it would be in English? I mean, do you whether it would all be in Spanish, for example? Do you do you have to think about like, okay, well, who's this going to be for, and does it matter then which language I'm singing in? Is do, do you have to think about that at all? No, I don't think I. I don't think I think I don't think about that anymore. You know, like. Um, uh, I guess the the variety variety of languages comes come from like the natural the natural place where I sit in the world, you know, like coming from Chile, um, native my native language is Spanish, right? And then moving to New York and you know having a lot of very important relationships that i only speak in english so english has also become part of of my life as well um and then portuguese my love for for brazilian music is you know is as big as my love for jazz or like latin american music meaning like spanish speaking that particular song that you're talking about that it's named in 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 mapudungun which is the mapuche uh, language um, was basically also inspired by a, a place, you know, the south of of, of my country, uh, which is their their territory. So um, it was um, it's called it means blue, and basically it just interprets 
it's like uh, interpret my moment when when I was there, like or what it embodied the sense of 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 um, of openness and connection with with nature that 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 travel uh, made me go through. So it's also honoring their culture, and in a way, I feel that I mean I'm a I'm a traveler. I feel like I. I just get inspired by by encountering um, the beauty of the world, you know. So um, I feel that it's it's very natural for me to, you know, if if I go and and recognize something that that I love and and I connect with it, I I could, you know, connect with the language as well, you know. just uh, kind of dig in a little on the on some of the individual um, songs in this album and maybe we could start with ambar the the title track which um, is the, the Spanish word for amber and can you um, can you maybe tell us about your your grandfather and tell us about how that song came to be the story behind the song um, yeah actually this is this is probably one of the of the oldest songs from this album because I wrote it exactly 10 years ago, exactly when I moved to New York. And it, it was mainly inspired by, by this, this need. It was, it was a sort of like, um, my need to find some kind of, ha- um, haven where I could, um, mur- mourn. I don't know how to pronounce that. You did it exactly right. My, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so my, my grandfather, who I was very close with, um, passed away that first, you know, four months, uh, after I had moved to New York. So, and I wasn't able to, to go back. So, um, that was one of the first sort of encounters with music also as uh, a way to, to, to really work through your emotions, you know? Um, 
and because basically by writing this song it was it was very re, uh, relieving you know like i was able to to make my own ritual in a sense you know like i was able to to give him a proper farewell and also you know by sort of make portraying him inside of a, of this song i was also remembering him forever because songs just you know they're they're like and that's the that's the interesting sort of metaphor that happened through through this song is that songs are like amber in that sense right um amber i i learned later actually that amber was uh the the resin that trees would expel to protect themselves from i mean to protect their wounds you know sometimes made by animals or um maybe insects, I don't know, but they, when they have these wounds, they release this resin that later becomes petrified, and that, that's what we call amber. So, um, and after that, also, I discovered all these, like, healing properties that amber has, and so, so then it becomes, this, it became this whole beautiful thing that, um, that really helped me go through, like, every process of healing that needed to be done, you know? And that's how I've also approached music very much so like the the last, you know, five years, like writing my, my songs, they've they've worked a lot in that sense, sort of like to to be able to work through something uh that I'm feeling, like be able to understand my emotions, be able to like uh recreate my my or create my own reality that will make me feel better or will make me grow. Yeah, Amber, Ambar, basically, I, w- I would say that the whole, this whole set of songs sort of like come back to that, that concept. Let's take a break from the music to talk about membership. For the jazz session to become weekly, I need to get to 200 subscribers. I think we can make that happen by the end of the year. We're just over 16% of the way there now, thanks to our 33 current members, and that's awesome. Members help me continue to document the stories of the people who make this music we love, which I've been doing since 2007. Now it's time for you to join. It's awesome that you listen, even awesomer if you become a member, and here's how it works. For $5 a month, you get a bonus episode every month, you get early access to every regular episode, and you get a yearly gift. Go to thejazzsession.com slash join today. That's thejazzsession.com slash join. And now, back to the episode. Te 
you created this song in a very intense time when you were alone in another country, uh, you know, without your family at this time that was so focused on family. And so it, there were a lot of obviously very deep and intense emotions that went into the creation of the song. Now, a decade later, when you when you play this song, what does it feel like now? Well, uh, as I said, you know, that's the beauty of songs is that they, they will bring you certain emotions back every time you interpret them, right? So um, it's, uh, it's great to keep honoring him after all this time, you know, to keep remembering, um, you know, all what he, he, he gave me as a grandfather, you know, and... Um, and also at the same time, uh, you know, like we keep, um, our family just keeps getting older and, you know, in the, in the cur in the course, <laughs> course of these 10 years, uh, my grandmother from my dad's side also passed. So now I'm able to also, you know, just think of them when I'm, 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 I'm singing this song and it's a beautiful, it's my, it's, I think for me as a musician, it's the most uh, beautiful way to, to honor, you know, my, my ancestors, basically, you know? I think about that a lot. I, you know, I'm in my mid forties and I have, I have two kids, one, uh, 17 and 13. And uh, I had a lot of older relatives or not a lot, but some very, relatives who were quite a bit older when I was younger who passed away you know many many years before my kids were born and for my kids those people are at best of a face in a photograph maybe or a name that comes mm -hmm. up if other family are around having a conversation but they don't have any context for and so I think a lot about how we preserve our the memories of our families into the future and obviously you I mean you have found one really beautiful way to do that mm. which is to write music about it i you know i sometimes write poems about the people in my family but that you know every everything passes and so mm. how we how we deal with that but also if we have an interest in, in passing those memories along ahead of us then there aren't that many ways to do that and and stories or so, you know songs which are essentially stories too i think are probably the best way and i guess the oldest way that we have to you know, to kind of keep the memory of people we loved alive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this also, for some reason, it, it makes me think of of how, um, you know, this, like, the stage of the society that we live in um, has so, um, so little, like, connection with, or even reverence from, for, like, elders, you know? Yes. Um it it might be, you know, product of the same system that like you didn't you know, maybe your parents didn't do something that you would be proud of or you know, but like it's interesting for me to to see how how so much is lost, you know, in the transmission of of wisdom of of uh of memories of uh, knowledge and all of this in in the way that we live today, and like everybody starts from zero, you know, um, instead of really learning from their 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 past, um, you know, families or communities, you know, I feel like maybe 
that's something that that I really appreciate from from other other cultures, you know. I want to go back to the uh, the song um, that was inspired by the Mapuche people, and I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that 99% of the people who listen to this podcast will never have heard of the Mapuche people before. And so will you tell us something about them and why it was important to you to uh, to talk about them in, in song? There's various angles to to it. Uh, I would say that initially, um, initially the song, the, the imagery, imagery, imagery yeah, that yeah. comes, imagery that 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 um, sort of nurtured the creation of this song was um, was mostly um, based on on a particular trip that I had. Um, that I had um, been through uh, three, two, two years ago, I think, um, to Patagonia. And when I, was, uh, when I was basically experiencing all this beauty and, and it was a moment uh, very, I, was, I don't know why, I, I, I guess I was very troubled. And, and this trip in particular like opened up a lot of, of um of you know like connection and and real realization of like you know ultimate truths and and you know being able to really let go of of the um, troubles that I was going through and and so I was there you know in this particular piece of the world and I remember uh one person that I met there uh it was uh, at the like on the dusk, right when the sun is is coming down. Yeah. Or that's dawn. No, that's okay. dusk. Dusk. Okay. And uh, and when when there's when the dusk is happening there, like everything for some reason everything turns like blue, you know. Uh, like the whole mountains, and you can see them all blue. It's it's just this wonderful, wonderful nature natural you know spectacle and so that was uh and then he told me that uh they would say that you know that it's calfu because it's all blue and that's the name of the of the color in in la Burungun. and uh at the same time it, it you know i i wanted to recognize them you know uh, i feel that as in many parts of of uh of america and it's it's been like you know hundreds of years of 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 claiming the the land you know of having to go through through a lot of oppression and you know you probably know the the situation that Native Americans go in America sure and you can you, you just like replicate the same the same situation in the south of Chile and it's it's very much you know the same situation so. I just I think it's it's important for for us as a society to 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 talk about these things and to start creating consciousness and I think we are in a in a moment where um for some reason uh we just cannot keep looking the other way you know so yeah basically it's just my way of thanking them from for keeping 
they're beautiful traditions, you know, they are the, the keepers of the earth, you know, that's like they, the earth for them is sacred. And I think we have a lot, a lot to learn from that, you know? Yeah, I mean, you, you live on an island that's been completely paved over, for example. <laughs> There's like, you know, the that's Manhattan is essentially, or well, I don't know if you live in Brooklyn or wherever, but in New York yeah. is essentially, yeah. a, you know, uh, an island and a couple of other bits of land that, you know, we've eliminated nature from almost entirely. And, you know, where I, uh, I live in a, a much more rural um, place, but all of the land that, you know, I also live on used to used to be the homes of indigenous people of the United States who are no longer even right. around here. And most people don't even remember their names. You know, they don't, no one knows who used to live here uh, unless you take the time to actually go find out. And that's the case for everybody in the United States. For the most part, uh, they live on land that yeah. we stole from somebody else. Um, but you know, we don't talk about those things when we talk about the history of, you know, how we became who we are. And actually that's an interesting segue into another track that's on this record this is one of the songs on this record that wasn't written by you. It was written by Pat Metheny and David Bowie, a song called This Is Not America. first of all is an amazing performance that beyond the content of the song yeah it's really it's really a stunning performance and the guitar work on it is ridiculous but i wanted to ask you about that song how you how you came to choose it we were about to finish the the repertoire for this album uh, at the beginning of 2016 um or yeah well that year basically <clears throat> and um you know as all how all the things started developing you know once the new presidency uh you know came into power like there there were a lot of things that that just felt out of place you know um there were things that that felt that it didn't matter what your political, um, you know, platform vision of the world would be. There are certain things that are universally 
wrong, you know, or like more like a, the moral compass, you know, started really to be, you know, put into question. And, and so, you know, uh, there, I, ha- I felt the need to, to, to talk about this, you know, I felt the need to, to be able to express it through my music because, I'm honestly, I don't think I'm a, uh, I don't think I'm a good speaker, you know, like it's hard for me to really like express myself, um, through talking, you know, and I, I like listening more, you know, but I felt, you know, like as anybody that, that is seeing some kind of, of, of event that they disagree with, that they feel that their need to speak out or call on something you know everybody will find their way and I thought that at that moment that music was needed for me you know in order to put these feelings out and to you know maybe someone at the same time someone that was feeling the same way as I do could find a place of 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 catharsis you know a place of to be able to to you know to to even start the conversation you know like and and so, well, that was one, one side of it. And the other part was that around that time also I had on the bright side of things <laughs> at that time I had recently met, uh, Pat Metini, who's like one of my long time heroes of music when I was like a teenager. Um, I just, you know, I was hearing all his albums and just, um, just uh, yeah, enamored by all his, by, by his music and his playing, and so finally, uh, around that time, all of these crazy events started happening. Where um, we did a little uh, show. Uh, they called me to to play some of the music of Padmistini. It was a little show honoring his music, and after um, we were almost ready to be, you know, to go on uh, on stage and. And then we learned that Palmesini was in the audience, you know, and so <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how I controlled all of those nerves. Seriously, <laughs> I was about to play the music of Palmesini for Palmesini. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so anyway, that went really well. I played a duo with James Francis on piano. And then, you know, maybe, a, you know, six months later, uh, Pat Messini writes me an email saying, like, I'll, I'm going to be honored for the NEA Endowments of the Arts, uh, the Jazz... Uh, jazz Masters. Honorees, the Jazz Masters, thanks. And so I would like for you to be a part of this concert. And, you know, like, if that just... What had happened before was already, like, top of the dream, like, I couldn't believe that this was happening. So... <laughs> So I guess you anyway, must have done okay on that first show then. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think it was good. And he was so nice. He's just such a an amazing, incredible musician, but also an incredible human being, you know, like um someone that you could that could be like a very, you know, this star that doesn't care about people because like he's so famous. He's the opposite. He's like such uh, a genuine human being, you know, like he took the time to, 
to thank all of us for for being part of this concert and and yeah he's amazing like i have it's so great when like someone that you admire musically actually it's an incredible human being it's like you can't ask for more so and then after that um it felt it felt very um intuitive and very kind of uh i don't know just like so obvious to try to find a a, a song from from his repertoire, you know? And while I was doing that, I think it was Noam. He said, like, hey, check this out. What do you think? You know? And all of these things came together. And, um, yeah. And then I wrote, <clears throat> I wrote sort of like my own interpretation of the song because it's, it's a very different groove. And it's, you know, it's like... Um, and also, by the way, it's, it's the it's the soundtrack of a movie that you know I kind of like put the song out of its context because it's a very different context that the song was written for. But in you know, if you sing it today, you know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The title alone kind of it tells the story. It 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 doesn't leave a lot to the imagination, which is great. And I guess uh, around the time that all of these things were happening to you, David Bowie also passed away. So there was kind of yet another, another level. 2016 was a rough year. Camila, as uh, as people are listening to this, if they're listening to it, you know, in real time, so to speak, today is on or around May 1st, uh, 2019. And toward the end of this month, uh, about three weeks away, uh, folks can see you in New York City. Will you talk about that? Yes. Um, so the very expected CD release party will be um, will take place at Rockwood Music Hall on May 22nd, uh, it's going to be on stage two, the big one. And, um, yeah, and I'm extremely excited, uh, to finally, you know, release it. The album comes out on May 31st, but, you know, if you come to the show, you'll get access to the physical copy. <laughs> I don't know if people still buy. <laughs> those uh, vintage objects but you'll be able to if you do you'll be able to hear the album a week before so um, and the show at Rockwood so, will yeah. have the orchestra it'll be the full the full band right yeah absolutely yes 
um, yeah, we'll be tight there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not a big, uh, necessarily a, a, a huge stage, but um, it will be extremely fun. And and it's going to be at 7 p.m. Uh, the doors open at 6.30, and people can also make their reservations online, which is recommended. And I really hope to see everybody that's listening to the show. I hope they come to the show. And again, that's mm-hmm. Wednesday, May 22nd at uh, Rockwood on Stage 2 in New York City. And if you just Google Rockwood Music Hall, uh, you'll find all the information that you need. Absolutely. Uh, and then I'll just Absolutely. mention, we won't go through all the dates, but uh, if you live in other parts of the country besides New York City, uh, there will be other chances to see uh, Camila with the Nectar Orchestra. She'll be in Arizona. Uh, she'll be playing some shows. That's in September. In November, she'll be playing some shows in California. Uh, she also has some yeah. dates in June at the Jazz Gallery. Um, and uh, Newport. We got Newport just Oh, awesome. In August. Very yeah. cool. Can't wait for that. Yeah, all of these are... are our tours in in August will be a tour. Um, in in November as well, the California one. It's a, it's a whole tour through different cities. Um, but yeah, like all all of these details will be posted uh, on my website, or if you follow social media, I also post there regularly. So. So it sounds like you have a busy uh, a busy 2019 <laughs> coming up. You're going to be spending a lot of time with a suitcase. Traveling around the country. Yeah, definitely. Well, the new uh, the new album is really really wonderful. It's called Ambar. Uh, it's available May thirty first, which is at the end of this month. However, as we mentioned, it's available a week earlier if you uh, are in or can get to New York City and you go to Rockwood Music Hall on May twenty second. Uh, I also encourage you to go back in the archives and listen to uh, my first two interviews with Camila. The first one is from twenty eleven, um, and I. The 2011 one happened because oh I went God. to I went to Smalls, and you were playing yeah. there with Pablo Menares and Melissa Aldana. Oh, she she just sat oh. in on one song, I think, and because I looked and there are photos on my on the jazz session website from that night, and I don't know who I oh went to God. see because I had never heard of yeah. you. No, no offense, but I had never yeah. heard of you before. I went to see somebody else, and you were either before or after them, and I I either yeah. got there early or stuck around, and I thought, oh my God, who is this? I, you know, I definitely wow. need to know this person. And then the next time you were on, you you shared a show with Lee Konitz a couple years later. He, I did, interviewed him and I interviewed you and those those two things are together. So folks can find all of that at thejazzsession.com, including those pictures of a, a fairly young and new to New York uh, Camila play, playing at Smalls uh, oh taken my on I'm my... I'm going to go see those. Yes, they are, uh, you know, the, I think the phone I had at that time was made in about 1971. So I can't say they're the greatest pictures of all time, but uh, <laughs> but they're fun. And it was fun to remember that night. Yeah. It was a really a, a great show. I think that was also the first time I'd ever heard of Melissa Aldana, who also went on to be on the show very soon after. Right. So, uh, we had arrived to New York very recently then. Yes, I think that is yeah. that's very true. Well, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you again. This This album is really just absolutely stunning uh i hope it thank can... you so much jason uh, thank th- you. yeah thank you so much for being here and uh, let's make it fewer than six years until you're back on the show again please <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much no 
And that's our show. Thanks to Camila Meza for being my guest. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music. Find them at respectsextet.com. Dave Rabel designed the logo. You can find the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash thejazzsession, Instagram at thejazzsession, and Twitter at jazzsesh, J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jason D. Crane. I do freelance writing for musicians and businesses at cranewrites.com. You can also find my poetry and essays at jasoncrane.org. Please do rate and review the show in iTunes or wherever you get this podcast. It really does make a difference. Help me make the show weekly by becoming a member at thejazzsession.com slash join. I also send out a newsletter every two weeks when I release new episodes. You can sign up for that at thejazzsession.com. Just click on newsletter. New episodes come out on the 1st and the 15th of each month. On May 15th, drummer Daphne Sprieto. Come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.